welcome back to the DMAS podcast. So, I've been recording a lot of episodes with Corbin and his friend. Um, so, even though this might be like a month from now, I'm still with Corbin, still in Kansas, still chilling. So, um, today we're gonna talk about masculinity in the queer community which I literally know nothing about so uh this is gonna be a lot of just Corbin talking hopefully and yeah unfortunately I may <laughs> fall asleep no no uh-huh. so okay what, what would you like to know hold on so um if you guys listen to this before today or listen to my podcast before today uh, then you would know that Corbin is my best friend who is also queer and so he is a member of the LGBT community (laughs) (laughs) because I'm your friend and because I'm queer those are the two qualifications I need to belong to the LGBT community I would would just like to point that out (laughs) perfect great anyway um so he's here, and I don't know, I, why don't you talk about your queer life? <laughs> okay, it's like a early so. MTV special, like, my queer life. Yes. Um, well, I guess, like, what, my queer life is my life, so, <laughs> I guess, like, where, where would I begin? Or what, what's important to know? Because I could go on and on about, like, how online queer culture has shaped my relationship with pop music and pop culture as a whole. But I feel like that's not very relevant. What does it mean to you to be queer? To me, being queer just means, you know, not being straight, in my specific example, Mm -hmm. right? I also use the term polysexual, um, but I'm most comfortable with queer and then you know, with friends or, you know, joking around, I also use gay as an umbrella term, but I don't ever use gay for myself, particularly in terms of homosexuality, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, that's why I think more in terms of like queerness and, um, in my case, polysexuality. Um, looks like you're meditating. <laughs> you're meditating, just soaking in the queerness. Um, and so what that means for me is like, I have been attracted to women before. Um, granted, I was younger and it was before... Should I, should I wait for you to pop that open? No, go ahead. No, go ahead. It's fine. Pop it open. Oh, you got it on your shirt! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. So, um... Yeah. Um... You know, growing up, because I lived in such a heteronormative, you know, setting, I just automatically thought it was normal of course, to be attracted to girls. So I don't have that growing up experience of knowing like some people do when they're like in second grade, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't have that experience. I think because I grew up in such a Christian household and in such a rural conservative area, it was never like a possibility to me. I think the earliest representation I had of queerness was actually in church when my pastor said that the devil was gay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, interesting take there. So I guess he's a queen or something, you know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I actually really attribute a lot of it to Lady Gaga, right? I actually had a girlfriend at the time whenever I started to really get into Lady Gaga. And 
I think she was telling me that being gay wasn't wrong. And I was like, no, but it is. And then eventually, like, I, you know, after I broke up with her and I went through some personal events, like, you know, I was first exposed to um, male-on-male porn. I, you know, started to see men more sexually. I went through puberty pretty late. Like, people made fun of me because, like, I didn't have hair on my arms. My voice was still really high-pitched. Um, which already made me feel set apart, right? And that's when they already started calling me gay. Um, Then you add on Lady Gaga, not really doing sports. And so I really, it may be like, the reason I started to question my sexuality was because people made me believe that I should, Mm. right? Not in a positive way, right? Not in the sense of like, you know, go with whatever you feel, sexuality is fluid, but rather you're different, therefore you're gay, right? You're not traditionally masculine, therefore you're gay. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so that coupled with some of the things I said before, I actually remember I was in math class, I believe sophomore year, and this guy was sitting, uh, or not sitting, sorry, this guy was standing up at the board doing equations, and I was like, wow, he's got a nice ass. And at the time, I was like, wait, that's not a straight thing to think. So then I had this really big, like... (laughs) Uh, epiphany and crisis and I was pretty much closeted until um, really the beginning of college and so when I met new people I came out to them you know people joke a lot about you know they already knew but you know I I don't know I didn't really accept it to the point of telling other people until college Mm. and then whenever I had my first real boyfriend, that's when I felt empowered enough to actually come out to my family directly Mm -hmm. um, and not take it back. So, yeah. I'm an idiot. Did you just pull a ball off your nose? The new one or the old one? The new one. Why? I was trying to make sure it was tight. It was going the wrong way. Kelly! Welcome back from our unscheduled break. Kelly lost one of the balls off of her septum ring. <laughs> so really cool, really yeah. cool. Just spent, God, like 20 minutes on the floor looking for it. <laughs> so yeah. And then like at least seven more minutes of me trying to put it back on because it's not easy to put back uh, on. And then that time I read about a conspiracy theory that says that, like, Donald Trump is a time traveler, but let's not get into that. Anyway, let's move on. Yeah, so where were we? You were talking about coming out. Well, I think I'm, like, done with that. No, like, I mean, that's like, just my queer story, Yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Oh. So next step. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Is this the time that I out myself? Because I kept thinking about that. You could include it and then just cut it if you're not ready whenever the time comes. That's true. Kelly is bisexual. Say it. I'm just gonna... Say it. Yeah, I'm bi. What? I'm bi. What? Stop. I can't hear you from there. I can hear myself from here. No, no, no. Say it again. I'm bisexual. You want to say it, like, prouder? I mean, you have it tattooed on your wrist. I'm a, I'm a little drunk. You're a little drunk? Yeah. Really? You seem sober to me. Really? 
Well, that's how I know you're not really drunk, because you wouldn't be confessing that you're drunk. I'm warm, and... <laughs> that's just because our friendship burns so bright. Oh my god. It's just, it's right here in the cheeks. I can feel it. So, why did you just want to put that in there now that you're by? No, 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 no. Um, when I was hearing you talking, I was thinking of myself, because that's what I do. And yes. I thought about commenting on it, and then I kept thinking, is this the episode where I out myself? And then I was messing with my septum ring. I always saw how that went. Yeah. Anyway, so moving on, let's just go on to what I have in here next. Um, well, thanks for telling me your queer story, I guess. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um... So, last time that we recorded, uh, we talked about, like, the ways that there's, like, kind of a stigma around gender and sexuality and, like, them being connected and, like, uh, you kind of started talking about, like, how, or the ways that some queer men will look for more masculine presenting queer men. So, can you tell me more about that? So, you're talking about, like, uh... Mask for mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's sort of like a common joke within the, at least the, uh, how would I say that? There's this concept within the gay community about these, I would call them tools, I guess, but traditionally these um, cisgender gay men sometimes bi men, you know, and other identities, but tend to definitely be gay, who say things like, you know, I'm into men for a reason, I want a man. Mask for mask means, like, masculine men for masculine men, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's this really big, not just stereotype, but distancing, still done within the community, Mm -hmm. regarding feminine gay Mm -hmm. men, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and not even just feminine gay men, but, like, drag queens, um, (laughs) trans people. Like, there's just a lot of negativity regarding non-masculine expressions of gender Mm -hmm. among gay men. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is actually, to me, a really big problem. You know, you go through Grindr or Tinder or any of these apps, and you'll, you'll see plenty of people saying, you know, no fats, no femmes, you know, mask for mask, no blacks, no Asians... And it's it's a very toxic thing. And, you know, I have a lot of privilege within the gay community being white, um, but at the same time, I'm not necessarily masculine enough for a lot of guys. Um, you know, like, I can't grow a beard yet. I have a gay lisp whenever I speak. Um, and I'm not afraid to, like, gesture, right? I had some... I used to, you know... I've met gay men who have pointed out how I gesture, and apparently it's very feminine, which is a really weird concept to me, you know, because, like, I'm just communicating, and my hands are moving, or so my like, body is moving. So, like, talking with your hands is feminine? Right. Oh like, apparently, yeah. And, you know, if you look into a lot of, like, really weird, far-right, hyper-masculine, or, like, masculine-praising groups, they will make fun of men who gesticulate like that, right? Um men who speak with their hands 
And, you know, people make jokes, like, gay people make jokes about, you know, how they communicate. I do it, too. Mm -hmm. But it's different whenever it's done in a discriminatory or oppressive way, right? Mm -hmm. So if I joke about myself, you know, talking with my hands and how that's a sign that I'm not for the mask for mask guys, that's very different than a mask, you know, mask for mask guy coming up to me and saying, I'm not attracted to you because you're very feminine, right? Mm -hmm. And again, it's coming to, it's coming from that idea that the masculine is more important than the feminine. Mm -hmm. And that's also where a lot of inter-minority policing within the gay community comes from, right? Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of people who, um, you know, they'll talk shit about gay pride because they say it's just this gross giant orgy and a bunch of flamers and flamboyant people, like, walking around in glitter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of people out there who are gay, but they'll say something like, but I'm not one of those gays, right? Mm -hmm. um, and those are the kind of gay, like... You know, that's the kind of gay person that anti-equality people love to have on their side, mm -hmm. right? Just like gay people who say, you know, I don't get why we fight for marriage equality or, you know, I don't need to see gay people on TV because it doesn't matter what happens in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. And their ability to compartmentalize that part of their identity into such a neat tiny box shows mm -hmm. how overwhelmingly privileged that they are, right? And that's why whenever you look at gay Republicans at um, gay conservatives who actively vote against groups that would be in their favor, that mm -hmm. have historically passed legislation to support them, mm -hmm. you know, th they tend to be cisgender mm -hmm. white gay men. Mm. And the gay community is not without toxic masculinity. Sure, it doesn't necessarily prevent a man from, you know, going down on another man, mm -hmm. but it definitely could. I've met men who don't like to do blowjobs or they don't like um, to bottom because they think it's the more feminine thing to do. And um, they, even if they don't necessarily realize it, they sometimes have it so ingrained in them from growing up and from society that they actively push away those sexual expressions merely because it might make them more feminine mm -hmm. and they don't even know that they're doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's the really sad thing to me is that it's so ingrained in them that mm -hmm. they don't realize that they're actually committing mm -hmm. some like internalized homophobia. And yeah, it's just like a lot of concepts like, you know, bottoms are more feminine mm -hmm. and, um, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's, it's really weird. Like mm -hmm. just how, how obsessed at times gay men can be with masculinity. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very similar to, I would say, it reminds me a lot of the discourse I see surrounding thin gay men, right? Mm -hmm. So if you go on Twitter, you'll see some thin gay men saying like, you know, get off your ass, you know, no one's going to fuck you if you're fat. And you'll see all these overweight gay men, like, praising them. And, like, oh, my God, I needed this today. You're so right. I'm disgusting. And it's, it's as if they, they hope that making such comments will make them thin, right? Mm. Just like I know gay men who deny themselves, you know, exploring their gender expression or allowing themselves to gesticulate or have the gay lisp or, like... You know, just do whatever is natural for them because they want to distance themselves 
from being, like, quote, that gay, right? And it's so toxic Mm -hmm. because, you know, we do have the stereotype that a gay man is feminine, that a gay man is the bottom, that a gay man, you know, is more womanly than manly, right? Mm -hmm. And so whenever you have cisgender gay men presented with that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's perfectly fine to want to respect your own gender identity. That is perfectly okay. Mm -hmm. But they take it to the step where in order to defend their gender identity, which the broader, you know, that, you know, that the broader uh, majority groups within society, like, question, right? They say, you're gay, it doesn't matter if you're masculine, doesn't matter if you have a dick, you're womanly, you're feminine, right? Mm -hmm. Automatically, you're lesser. They will then commit the same kind of aggressions toward other gay men to try and put themselves in that group, right? Mm-hmm. So they're trying so hard. They even use things like straight acting, right? There's an entire porn category for, quote, straight acting gay men or, like, straight men having sex because within the society, you know, in the gay community, we have become so obsessed with being not us. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to be straight. We want to be accepted. We want to be just like anyone else, you know, and... Some people have let that get to them so much that they actively seek out anything that is not other, anything that isn't the gay community. Mm. And it's really sad because the gay community, I've, I've never felt so included in anything. You know, I don't feel comfortable unless I know there's another queer person in the room, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it's just a very common thing among uh, marginalized people, especially within certain marginalized groups. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, I think ultimately the problem is society saying this is what gay is. Gay is feminine, Mm -hmm. right? So then these gay men feel that their masculinity is being questioned. But then that doubles into another problem where then you have them, you know, oppressing feminine presenting or not even necessarily feminine presenting, Mm -hmm. perhaps like slightly less masculine gay men within the community. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a huge problem. It's been a problem. I think it's you know, always going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. I had a bunch of thoughts, and then I forgot one of them. So that's cool. A lot of what you're saying reminds me of, like... So, like, the whole reason I wanted to record with you a second time is because I was literally talking to my hairdresser about doing this podcast and um, about talking to you on this podcast. And mm-hmm. uh, when I talked about masculinity and homosexuality... Sorry. Like, that feels weird. Anyway. I thought you were about to cry. No. I was like, how did I, how did I touch your soul? I may be drunk, but not that drunk. (laughs) I'm not drunk. I'm buzzed. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Whenever I brought up masculinity and homosexuality, he immediately was like, oh, you're talking about mask for mask, right? And I was like, oh, I I mean, like, I guess we could. I didn't really think about that. Um, Yeah. Anyway. Super mask. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So, that's why I wanted to record with you a second time. But then, also, I remember um, I had talked to a few... Oh, okay. I remember my other thought. Um, So, some of what you said had reminded me of, like, a job that I was trying to get and... um, this organization that I wanted to work with that, like, works with having 
Um, safe conversations for people who are conservatively conservatively minded around sexual orientation and those who are liberally minded around sexual orientation. And so in that, there are people who are, um, you know, knowingly out and knowingly same-sex attracted regardless of if they're, or whatever their um, gender is. Um, and... Regardless of that, they're, um, also, like, very, um, they believe that, like, being gay is a sin, and so they will not commit that sin and choose to be in heterosexual relationships, regardless of their homosexuality. Have I not told you about this? Yeah, no, 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 you definitely did. I don't know, but that's what you reminded me of, um, with talking about, like, gay men trying to be straight and, like, trying to act straight, um, I was just specifically told about, like, someone who identified as lesbian, but was in a heterosexual marriage, and that, like, just blows my mind, and it's very hard for me to understand. It's a lot of internalized homophobia. It's, and I guess, like, um, again, the whole point of this podcast is to try to show people how, or, I guess, show men specifically how their own, like, internalized societal norms limit them right and you know just going off of that you know if we focus solely on the self-identified cisgender heterosexual male Mm -hmm. from birth they're taught not to explore their gender Mm -hmm. you know their sexual orientation you're taught pre-birth even before you're born (laughs) even before you're born it's like here's some blue powder you know pow Let's remember Hitler. (laughs) Throw back to the last episode. (laughs) But it's just, it's so sad because, you know, it's why we see such an influx of people who identify as some shade of queer these days. It's because when you have a more accepting society, people are going to be more likely to explore those things. Mm -hmm. And I think where men, you know, men aren't marketable toward men Mm -hmm. who make out. Women who make out with other women are marketable toward men mm-hmm. because that's seen as a fetish. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I had an argument with my brother years ago because, you know, he said that two girls making out was hot, but two guys making out is disgusting. And I'm like, you're just saying that because you're turned on by girl on girl porn, which isn't even an accurate representation of what, like, you know, mm-hmm. woman woman sex is, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's really sad, and I, I wish that self-identified cisgender heterosexual men felt, you know, felt that there was permission Mm -hmm. to explore their gender identity, to explore sexual orientation, even if it doesn't lead to them Mm -hmm. identifying within the queer queer community. Mm -hmm. You know, even if at the end of the day they still believe that they're cisgender and heterosexual, I don't care. Mm -hmm. I just think everyone deserves the right to explore themselves Mm -hmm. and figure out who they are, not based on what society wants them to be, Mm -hmm. but on who they are authentically, right? And it's just really sad. Mm -hmm. And when I get to go to places that are very progressive, that are very open-minded in terms of gender and sexual orientation, it just blows my mind because, you know, I am from a rural area. I do spend most... I have spent most of my life in conservative spaces. And to be in a place where 
you know, you, I feel like I can be comfortable even mm-hmm. around cisgender uh, heterosexual men. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Mm-hmm. And the comfort with which some cisgender heterosexual men can say, yeah, I've thought about it, or yeah, I've tried it, and they're completely fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like... That is so... That's, that, that just makes me happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, um, after coming out to um, my husband, he said that he had, like, you know... I guess my coming out as bi gave him permission to um, explore his own sexuality. So he he said that he really, like, tried to look at men and tried to see if, you know, that's something that he identified with or, like, something that he felt. Um, but after, like, thinking about it, like, he really just felt straight. And, like, that's totally fine to be straight, but, like, I think it's really important to have that space to like it's okay to be bi because obviously my husband is attracted to me (laughs) (laughs) and it's okay to even if it's just a thought process right Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be have you tried you know being with men have you tried Mm -hmm. being with women Mm -hmm. it can you know sometimes you just know inside Mm -hmm. and i would say that's more often the case than not is that Mm -hmm. you just know inside of you Mm -hmm. you know wherever you fall at that time this is how i feel yeah and this is what I'm attracted to, or mm-hmm. this is how I want to express myself. Mm-hmm. But I think that a lot of, like, cis heterosexual men, especially white men, are um, not given that permission to explore that part. I would even argue that it's more difficult for men of color. Yeah. Actually, even though, right. like... You right, you right. <laughs> even though, like... <laughs> queer people of color, you know, queer trans women, mm-hmm. you know, they laid the groundwork for mm-hmm. the modern gay rights movement. Mm-hmm. There is still, just from my experience, much more of an idea of masculinity mm-hmm. at stake, right? Yeah. So, you know, I speak Spanish, I studied Latin American culture, I lived in South America, I have a lot of, you know, Latin American friends, and... Of course, it's well known that, you know, machista culture is very popular, right? And so, and those countries tend to be more conservative, tend to be more traditionally religious. Um, and that's difficult. I've seen arguments on Twitter where um, straight black men say that the government infects or supports black men to be gay because it leads to the death of their race. And I know that's a very extreme example, you know, mm-hmm. I I don't see people saying that all the time, but, you know, there there is an understandable paranoia. You know, if you think about <laughs> slavery, the Tuskegee syphilis experiments and all of that, like, there is a right to be paranoid. But at the same time, that paranoia is feeding into homophobia mm-hmm. and holding back the rights and the ability to express mm-hmm. within those groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is just from my perspective, outside looking in as a white person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that white people tend to be praised a lot more mm-hmm. whenever they, you know, do gender bender stuff. Mm-hmm. You look at, um, oh, what's his name? You look at Timothy Shamalot or whatever his name is from Call Me By Your Name. You look at that Ezra guy who plays Flash. Mm-hmm. Um, you that see, one guy from, uh, he was Phil from Phil of the Future. Yeah, you see that? these, you see these these, um, you know, straight or gay men who Mm -hmm. are white perform 
Especially like uh, thin, small, thin, yes. th- small, thin, you know, willowy, <laughs> willow bodied. You know, you see these men presenting themselves more femininely, and it's mm-hmm. revolutionary. Mm-hmm. But you know, you see people of color do this. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you don't see people of color do this because no one puts a spotlight on it. Mm-hmm. No one lifts them up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just think of like, like well, there's the only black trans woman of. Or, the only trans woman of color that I can think of is, like, Laverne Cox, right? That's her name? Laverne Cox? Oh, yeah, Laverne Cox. Yeah. Uh, and... Perhaps who, like, made it mainstream, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? And all... <laughs> all Caitlyn Jenner had to do... Was just, like... Was just exist. And, and Laverne Cox isn't even at that level, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, Caitlyn Jenner did have that previous fame to mm-hmm. her... Advantage, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. her ability to be seen yeah. as a model, for better or for worse, mm-hmm. came to her so much more easily, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the other thing that I had thought of is I remember when um, I was working this past summer, I had met um, a few other people who are a part of the LGBT community um like you yeah like me um and they had talked about how there's a lot of quote-unquote rainbow politics um in especially a certain organization in columbus there was this whole situation in pride 27 (laughs) there was this whole situation in pride 2017 where um there was a group of people in the uh, black queer community who wanted to have a moment of silence for Philando Castile, and they just wanted to have, I believe it was like seven minutes of silence during Pride, just to, uh, you know, recognize him and um, just have, you know, a moment to honor him, especially in this time of um, police brutality, especially against people of color. And there were protests from the organization that put on Pride and the police who were involved with Pride. And since then, like, Pride 2018, there was a, like, counter-Pride that didn't have police involved because of that situation. And there's a lot of, like, you know... There's still a patriarchy within the uh, queer community, which I just think is interesting because you would think that with oppression there would be, like, equality. And yet there is still some dissonance in um, Uh, I would just say... I would say oppression begets oppression. Yeah. You know? Within the hierarchy that is, you know white on top of people of color mm-hmm. there are there's colorism right yeah and then you also have i mean there's there's colorism within a racial group but anyway go on yeah that's what i mean like yeah. it's it's complex it's multi-layered mm-hmm. it's compounded mm-hmm. and you wish that a whole community could really see themselves as a community mm-hmm. but it's very easy for us to see all the differences Mm -hmm. and it happens a lot in the queer community too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just feel like more often than not the people who are being most praised for being queer are like white men and women. 
Yeah, and if you think about, like... Yeah. Sorry. If you think about, like, who do gay men love? They love to talk about muscular, masculine, straight men who maybe queer bait them every once in a while, right? (laughs) Um, They don't give a shit about a feminine East Asian queer trans man, you know, because to them that's not what they're supposed to like. That's not the ideal. That's not what society says Mm -hmm. you are supposed to like. So even the idea of like, um, you know, like a woman needing to have a man who can provide, who's masculine, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You know, that even transfers over to the gay community where Mm -hmm. that's where gay men seek out. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what gay men seek out. And it's just really sad. I'm depressed. But I believe that there's more hope within the community than outside the community, you know? I mean, yeah. I would say maybe within the queer community more than any other community um, that I can think of, at least in the United States, we have such an openness comparatively Mm -hmm. to gender expression, to varying degrees of masculinity, femininity, Mm -hmm. you know, none of the above, being non-binary, agender, you know, anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's really like, that is the heart Mm -hmm. of the community. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the people who probably have the most to lose, mm-hmm. have the least amount of rights mm-hmm. in terms of the queer community. You know, I can get married and if I want, like, I can modify my voice and generally, you know, get away with stuff. Am I still afraid to go out walking, you know, down the street holding a man's hand? Yes. Do queer people get killed? <laughs> probably every day. Yes. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I would say there's much more of a societal acceptance of, you know, gay people, lesbian people, bisexual people, than there are trans people, non-binary people, mm-hmm. um, because we put ourselves in the front. Mm-hmm. And even though, you know, um, gender minorities have been there throwing the bricks, mm-hmm. we put ourselves first. I mean, we... Uh, we have an organization in Columbus called Stonewall, which is, like, about... Stonewall? Yes. <laughs> so you would think that um, a lot of the focus would be around accepting um, trans people of color, color um, but I do still think that there's... Um, I guess I don't know specifically much about the... Um, LGBT community in Columbus, but I think in general there's not enough um, focus on trans people of color. Because I can only think of Liver and Cox. Like, there should be more than that, I feel like. Oh, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. And there are. There are so many more, but they're not in the spotlight. Yeah. You can name so many gay white men. Mm -hmm. So many cisgender gay white men. Mm Mm-hmm. But the ability to name, you know, a trans person of color gets harder. Yeah. Especially if you go outside of people who are aware of the queer community mm-hmm. as, like, an important being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as if it's a collective person. <laughs> yeah. But again, there's hope. I think, yeah. I think that uh, queer people have the most hope and <laughs> trans people, non-binary people gender minorities, they are the most progressive, 
the most accepting, the mm-hmm. most um, willing to fight for mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. And I found that, like, I feel like a lot of the people who I personally know are really accepting, especially of, like, non-binary or asexual people, because those people are often excluded, um, as well as bisexuals, but, like, way more than bisexuals mm-hmm. are, um, and so, um, I, I feel like at least a lot of the people that I know or the conversations that I've seen have been inclusive of those people and, like, kind of, I appreciate being called out on when I'm, um, being really binary or when I'm, um, not taking account for, um, people who may be asexual or when I'm being, like, unintentionally transphobic. So, um... I feel like there's hope in that, in knowing that in my personal queer communities, they're accepting of those marginalized, those even more marginalized groups. Yes. (laughs) You're not even paying attention. Sorry, I was on Grindr. Um, yes. Wow. I'm just gonna keep that in there. The gay jumped out. Sorry, I I was on Grindr. (laughs) At least they have pronoun options now. Yeah. And gender identity options. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Tinder does too. Mm-hmm. Though I've still seen, um... A lot of binaryism. Yeah. Like, I've seen, um... Or even, like, transphobia about, um... I think it was, like, on Twitter or something about a trans man who was, like, on Grinder and someone's like, so you don't have a penis and they had, like, this whole thing, this whole conversation. I can't remember what it was, but... Watch ContraPoints. Great, great information there. ContraPoints. She's a queen. Yeah. She can, you know, as a trans person, definitely give more insight than we cis people here. She likes to talk about the mouthfeel of a lady penis. (laughs) (laughs) Should we we end on that? The the, the feel (laughs) of the lady penis? The mouthfeel of the lady penis? Um, Can that be the title of this one? No. The Lady Penis? Oh my gosh. Uh, um, yes. Or sorry, she, I was on Grinder. <laughs> I need to come up with great names for these podcasts. Let me just go back and edit all of them. Um, anyway, so yeah, if you want to watch ContraPoints, she just came out with an um, episode called Are Traps Gay? Um, which I watched yesterday and, um, I found informative and, you know, good. So, um, do that. Just watch ContraPoints in general. She's great. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else to say about masculinity within the queer community? No fats, no femmes. (laughs) No blacks, no Asians. Let's get rid of everyone. Let's get let, literally just want to fuck myself. That's what most like, cisgender gay twin. white men want. They want their oh, they want themselves. Same. I'm just kidding. Um, but come yeah. as you are. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like we should uh, create you know, a kind of space within our own personal relationships where, um, even straight men are allowed to explore their sexuality, um, even if in the end they end up being straight, or, um... Yeah, there's so many jokes about, like, in in movies, rom-coms, where, like, women are disgusted that a guy 
fooled around with other guys in college or like experimented and it's like oh fuck off get but, out of but here but then but then double standard the woman is allowed to like it's hotter if she has right yeah yeah I don't understand why it's a double standard but um because for some reason straight men are attracted to two women making out yeah. actually my brother said it's less gay because there isn't a dick there to think about how is that not gay though <laughs> If they're making out with each other... It's gay. It's just not the kind of gay gay that they hate. Yeah. They only hate the guy. Because they can insert themselves between the two women. Yeah. But if it's... I just just remembered that he said that. That it's less gay because there isn't... Like, it's literally a man having sex with a woman. That is... (laughs) I don't... Okay, I I'm done. I gotta. You gotta can, tap can, out. Can we can we go to Walmart? I need some ice okay. cream or something. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm so, stressed. Uh, so that's let's just end it there. Um, oh. Basically, we just need to create a space where um, all people can feel free to explore their gender um, expression and their sexuality, regal- regardless. Wow, regardless of if they choose in the end to be cis and heterosexual. Choose to be? Or choose to identify. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Regardless of if, regardless if in the end uh, they identify as heterosexual or cisgender, um, I feel like we should still make this space for them to explore that because as if we start making the space for um, people who end up identifying as cisgender and heterosexual then that will give more, um, a better likelihood of people who choose to identify as something other than cisgender and heterosexual a chance to be themselves. Because if we uh, enforce this really strict gender identity and this really strict connection to sexuality, um, then we continue to have this really sad problem of um especially the queer community uh kind of basically oppressing themselves so yeah that's where i'm gonna end that uh it's been nice talking to you corbin i'm gonna be sad because probably the next episode i do is not gonna be with you and i'll be so sad and i'll cry um, it's okay, you can call me up and host me. Yeah, we'll just, like, try to figure something out where we both have our microphones and we'll record it to streamed and then... You can put it together. Put it together. Lit. It's gonna be a thing. Okay, so, um, if you enjoy listening to these conver- kind of conversations and listening to me be a mess and throw my piercing jewelry on the ground, just stick around because I'm sure it'll happen again, and... Yeah, it's been real, it's been fun. It's been real fun. Oh, God. Have a great day. Have a gay day. Yeah. (laughs) Bye.